Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 369. My name is Brando, and I think we're truly living up to, I use this motto or this phrase a lot on the podcast, how I get my guests, the, the six degrees of G&R bacon. Because <laughs> it's why I'm, I've done nearly 400 episodes, because yeah, I could talk about my favorite band all the time, but that gets boring. I want to talk about... How the how it branches off and who the kinds of people we can meet. We've met so many cool people, and it's interesting, uh, Azam, that in twenty uh, two thousand and two, I had no idea who Buckethead was, and then I learned about him because of Guns N' Roses. So, kind of an indirect way, that's how I'm learning about you through Guns N' Roses. So, yes. Az- Azam Ali, thank you for joining the AFD show. Thank you so much for having me. And for me, it's like a, a whole other. I think. I think there is some kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon with Guns N' Roses as well. I mean, for me, their album was, it was like our anthem. And, you know, Appetite for Destruction was our anthem in high school. So, you know, it's it's so weird. And then I, I've known Buckethead since we were, we met when, in our very early 20s. And I'll tell you that whole story later. And, and then, you know, then he toured with Guns N' Roses and then it all just kind of came back and he went on to become like, so huge, you know, that even now it's shocking for me to, you know, I tell him, I'm like, do you even realize how famous you are? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't go on the Internet or anything. He's like, he, he can't handle any of that. So there is for all of us that Guns N' Roses connection somehow. He's better off staying off the Internet. I wish I could. <laughs> I think honestly, I think at this point, because I was the... I'm the age where I was in college and Facebook was only for colleges and my even where I went didn't have it yet. So I was I was in the whole social media rise at the beginning and I'm kind of bored of it now, but I need it for work in my podcast. Yeah. I, I need, yeah, it, I, it's a necessary evil for what we do. I mean, honestly, nowadays, I mean, the, the good side of it, I think, as a as an artist is that you have you, you have this capacity to form a an intimate and close relationship yeah. with your fans, which is something that's very important to me because I'm not, you know, I'm not a pop artist or this kind of, you know, I'm not a huge artist in that sense. So I have the luxury of forming, you know, this close bond, close bond. And, you know, I try to reply to fan mail and all of that. So that's the good side of, of um, social media is that kind of the middleman is gone now and we can form this direct relationship with our audiences. Absolutely, which is what I've enjoyed about doing this podcast. Yeah, I've worked for radio stations, but I like doing this kind of satellite thing that I'm doing with uh, the GNR podcast. And especially with with Buckethead, who is off social media, it's the only chance for the uh, the bots, right? The, the Buckethead fans to really express their their love for him and how they can find out about his music. It's not like he's putting out press releases or anything like yes. that. But uh, I want to go back to the when I said I learned about Buckethead. It's not just like okay, he's in Guns N' Roses, cool. I learned about his music and it opened me up to a whole world I was not aware of, and that's kind of what ha- is happening with with you. I, it's interesting because I'm sure it's the social media, faith, Facebook algorithm. I see this post from Azam Ali, and I, I'm sorry, you, you, I'm sure you don't. The hell is she? <laughs> you don't know who I am, but certainly so. But I'm like, oh, this is intriguing, and I'm sure the algorithm buckethead, and it was kind of a soft announcement about it. Yes, and it was on my personal Facebook page. It was not on my artist page, and I was like, oh, I'll just let my friends know because I have a lot of artist friends on my personal profile. It's very small. I only have about a thousand. I keep it that way. And Mm. a lot of them are well-known artists who are on there. 
I was like, I'll just announce it for all my friends. And then suddenly it just went viral. So there is no such thing as personal page anymore. No, no. So, you, so that's the post you saw. So continue. I'm sorry. No, please. This is our, your, your show today and our conversation. No, so, no, I'm curious to know. So you, so you saw that post, the algorithm showed you that post. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm taking you through the honest path through it all. And I'm like, who is this with Buckethead? Because obviously ever since 2002, I've been so intrigued with him. Actually, it was a, a few weeks ago. I got to see Bucket perform with Praxis, uh, with, yeah. with, with Brain and and Bill Laswell. My second time seeing him live. Third time because first time was with uh, GNR. But to learn about the kind of music that he did, so I'm like, let me learn about Azams. And I'm like, I, wow, just blowing my mind. So before we get into really into Buckethead and stuff like that, I want to learn more about you because you're. Uh, you're from Iran, but you grew up in India. So kind of, if you could tell us how your path, how you, before we know how we got here, let me know yeah. how we kind of, <laughs> you know, the trajectory, the catalyst of, of you it and your It would make artistry. a good uh, eight-part miniseries hmm. for Netflix. But like every, every immigrant, you know, I think you could make a movie on every immigrant hmm. story. So I w- I'll give you the short version um, so we can really focus on art and music. So I was born in Iran at the age of four, um, uh, I was sent to an, a British, an English boarding school in India where I studied for 11 years. And then the Iranian revolution happened, so I couldn't go back. And then in 1985, my mother and I um, got political asylum and we moved to the US and I came straight to Los Angeles. And uh, I was 15 at that time. And then by 18 years old, I, it became very clear to me that I wanted to become a musician. And actually I had zero interest in becoming a singer. I was really interested in becoming a, an instrumentalist, but I ended up taking this singing course in college. Um, and my teacher just encouraged me and said, you know, you can become a very good singer. So if you would like to study with me privately, um, I'll offer you lessons for very cheap. And so I studied with him and then it was just kind of everything snowballed from there. And and um, I had my first recording deal, um, artist deal when I was 20, 22 or 23, I don't remember. So that's when my first record came out. And I formed this sort of global, my first band was this kind of just, he was actually, Greg Ellis was had come from a rock background. He was a drummer. And and we formed this group where I just I didn't sing in any language. It was just more like vocalization and percussion. And then our first album became really big. And then we went on to release four albums. And then I formed uh, in early 2000, I formed my world electronic band. So I kind of my music has it, I have so many different aspects of music that I'm interested in. So I do this sort of typical world music and and then there's the electronic stuff and then i i released my first all english uh, album in 2019 it's called phantoms and i wrote produced and recorded all of it on my own so it was that that was my statement album sort of you know as a female electronic musician that came and that's all english it's my first completely english album and uh so i have about 13 albums that are you know between solo albums, band albums, and collaborations. I've collaborated with everyone from Serge Tankian to um, the musicians from King Crimson to musicians from, you know, Nine Inch Nails to, I, I mean, I forget, there's just so many. And then that might, some, somewhere along the line, uh, a film composer had heard me sing and invited me to sing on a film score. And then that kind of, you know, took on a life of its own. And then I started doing more session work for for big films and TV. So I've had the privilege of singing on a lot of incredible scores with incredible um, composers. So it's a very diverse um, career and path that I have as an artist. And I and I become, I get bored very quickly. So mm. I cannot just be in one, work in one genre. I have to sort of, I do one thing and then I need to do something completely different just to break away from what I was doing because there's just so many different things that I want to express. And it's it's bizarre because over the course of my career, I will never understand the 
the ethereal algorithm that's all i can call it of what it is in the in in the unseen world that has made it so that my music has has acquired a quite a large like metal fan base you know i had a lot of people coming from metal backgrounds who really were drawn to what i do and that part always intrigues me you know when i perform it when i'm performing especially and i look out at the audience and it's such a diverse audience mm-hmm. so um that part is intriguing and then um you know now and then we can now kind of steer towards buckethead because when i was with my first label the first signing that i had was with narada records and at that time they were kind of a new age uh, label and then when they signed my band my duo they, we were sort of their first global artists they wanted to go more towards world music and you know just do less i mean they wanted to do new age but they wanted to sort of branch out so we were their first artists and they signed us and it was such a successful album and i think it was during the second album when we were recording that uh, virgin records uh, bought our label so at that time virgin records uh, bought acquired several labels i think it was four or five uh, pretty successful indie labels and it and buckethead was on another label i i don't remember what his label was but he had a duo and and so virgin records when they signed this deal and acquired all the bands they decided to put together a showcase tour they handpicked two bands from each label that they had bought and they took us on this european tour just kind of showcasing the new bands of virgin records so i just remember i showed up in the airport and there were you know this amazing four other bands incredible mu- people incredible musicians and there was buckethead you know and him and i we just immediately clicked you know he was just this shy soft spoken gentle just this sweet soul you know and i just immediately was drawn to him so over the course we traveled to three countries you know we uh, so over the course of that tour we became you know we became friends and we enjoyed like on our off time we would just hang out and i i didn't even know that he because when we would hang out he didn't really wear the bucket or the mask so i just had known him like that okay and i remember the first big interview we gave we were in spain and they asked all the artists to come and there were about like 20 of us and for us to sit in this huge circle and they were going to do this um interview with all of us at the same time and then buckethead shows up with a bucket and mask and 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 i was like what is he doing uh-huh. <laughs> what 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 is he what's going on here and then he sat down with the musician he was with and then he would you know the interviewer was asking us all questions and then when it came to their turn he wouldn't talk and i was like i was really confused i was like but he speaks so well and he's just such a beautiful person like why is he not talking wow so after the interview i remember you know asking him so is this like what you do like you, mm-hmm. like you don't show who you are and you don't talk he was like yeah i i don't like to do that so that was my first sort of like wow wow you know this is and and i just thought i didn't realize honestly at that point just i don't even think anybody did like he was going to become you know it's not a joke to carry that title of biggest the the best guitarist in the world you know i mean many people will not dispute that title and um anyway in 2005 so i became friends with serge tankian um completely separately we met a couple decades ago i got my system over down t-shirt on right now i know i love that you did you plan that i i usually do but this time i didn't i, I usually love do it. So see right? it's this weird it's this weird connection I again so, because actually that's where everything just sort of came back with buckethead is then we lost touch for years and then um I was working at a bookstore at the beginning of my music career just to support myself and one day Serge Tankian a lot of people famous artists came in there and Serge Tankian came in one day and we just got to talking and I just told him you know I was a big fan of his and I loved his activism and he was like mm. I love your music I have your your albums mm. and then we became very close friends and then he called me in 
2004 or something, he said, you know, you're friends with Buckethead. I'm producing an album for him. Do you, you know, it would be great if you can sing on it because he loves your voice. And I said, oh, absolutely. So I went over, we got together with Buckethead, Serge and I, we met at Serge's house and we just hung out one evening and just kind of reconnecting after a long time. And then Buckethead sent me that track and I was just blown away. It's called Coma. It's from Enter the Chicken. Mm -hmm. And I just went over to Serge's studio one day and I think we recorded that in less than an hour. Oh, wow. You know, I just sang and then Serge was like, oh, I hear this great harmony. And he came and did it. And it ended up being a huge song. You know, that song just to this day, people write to me about it. I think that song, um, if people who know me through Buckethead either know me like you from my last announcement mm. or they knew me from the release of that song. Right. And it's so funny because when I made the official announcement about the album, um, the a lot of people kept writing the same comment and I, it, it was so hilarious to me. They called me, they're like, oh my God, it's Coma Girl. So that's become, <laughs> that's become my, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to own this title, Coma Girl. You know, they're like, it's Coma Girl. Now we know who you make are. Make that into a shirt. You got to make that into a shirt. <laughs> exactly. Funny. So I was like, okay, I'm going to own this title, you know. So anyway, I gave you the really long story, but that's like kind of all of it. So. I love it. So this happened, the song came, and then again, we lost touch. And then I didn't realize, honestly, after Guns N' Roses, how huge he became. It's like that with your friends, you know, you don't think of them that way. Okay. Until sure. I made this soft announcement. <laughs> and then I was like, holy shit, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't, you can't talk about Buckethead like he's just an artist like that anymore. You know, it's something so big and just you know he reached out to me recently actually serge's um assistant wrote to me and he said you know buckethead's trying to get in touch with you um you know can i pass on your email and i said oh yeah absolutely you know so then he he called me i sent my phone number and everything he just called me and he said um do you want to make music together? And I said, hell yeah. You know, it's just effortless with us. He just sends me something. It's just something comes out or it's just, it's so rare that synergy with it. It happens. You're lucky if it happens once in your lifetime. And I've been lucky that it's happened to me with, with a few musicians in this world. And he's one of them, you know, he just sends me and his playing is so soulful and lyrical. Just, it, it kind of just pulls something out of me that, um, I don't think any other guitar player ever has, you know. So then we just started doing this music and it just, you know, we were like, you know what, let's make it an album. Let's just go for it. So we're doing it. And that's where we are. Present day, um, you and I sitting and talking about this. Wow. There is so much to unpack there. And I, <laughs> I appreciate you sharing all that because that is. All the miniseries in one shot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I mean, you're answering a lot of the things that I want to know that uh, listeners want to know. Um, and She Whispers Trees is going to be the name of, of the album, right? Yeah. Well, it's the first single. We don't know the name of the album okay. yet because it all depends on, you know, we have to see where the full body of work goes. Was so it? She Whispers Trees is gonna, is our first single. And we are currently working. We are we just finished the storyboard for the music video. So I think in about three weeks, by end of October, I'm going to make the official announcement for the release of the single and the music video. Oh, awesome. And it's it's a beautiful it's such a beautiful song. I mean, both of us, we can't stop listening to it. Hmm. And um it's very intimate. That's all I can say is, you know, we're trying to keep, I don't know where the full album will go, but for now we are kind of really enjoying this um, intimate interplay with just his playing and my voice. I just want to make sure I, I, uh, I say this because we were talking about it before we started recording. You know, I, I've tried to get, I mean, who doesn't want to interview Buckethead? Uh, I've asked Brain before, but you were you. I wasn't even say this before because the kind of interviewer I am. I'm like, because I don't want to pry into Buckethead's life, things that he doesn't want to share because, of course, he is famously known for that. But I do appreciate and just say, that, yes, that you you asked him that if you want to do an interview together to announce it because you're, you're saying, you're like, we're speaking, you're speaking for for both of, the, of, of you guys. Uh, this is kind of like your first interview about this album. Yes. Can I summarize what yeah. you're saying? 
Yes. And I actually, when you sent me the interview request, I immediately called him and I said, look, you know, I'm, I got this interview request and um, I'm sure that the interview is going to be mostly based around our project. So are you, I said, first, would you like to do the interview or are you still doing, are you still not doing interviews after all these years? And he said, no, I'm not doing them. And I said, well, are you okay if I talk about the project? He said, absolutely. You know, talk about it. I'm so proud of it. So, I mean, it's really a shame for me that he doesn't do interviews because if people got to see and hear what a beautiful human being he is, you know, I, I, I really think, I think, you know, when I, when I talk with him, it becomes more and more clear to me why he is so private and, and protects himself because I just think he's so pure and like, in, it sounds very, um, I, I don't, I don't want to sign. He's almost like too, too pure for this world. I just mm. think the world could break him, you know? And he, he said something very beautiful to me once uh, when I, when this announcement came out and I was like, can I, do you want me to send you? People are sending such nice messages. Do you want me to tell you what they are? Do you want me to send you messages? And he was like, I can't read anything because I don't want anything to influence the music that I make. I want it to just be such a pure expression wow. that I don't want good or bad things to influence me in that way. And I don't think I really know any artist who thinks that way, you know, who who's just like so focused on their craft and their expression that they don't even want they, they they don't even want the encouragement of fans or they, they don't want to be influenced by any of it. It's unheard of. We were talking about social media earlier and, and you know, it's the good part of it, the, the driver, and he doesn't need it. And I think that's what makes him and you so perfect together because his music, despite the, people need to get past the, uh, the, the, the bucket head, like it is what it is kind of thing. It's a unique avatar he chose. I think the message, whatever he would, if he goes back in time and decided to wear a chicken suit or whatever, but <laughs> I, you know, or whatever he wanted to just wear a regular suit and just have a, you know, a hoodie over his face or whatever. I think just the message is the same that he doesn't want to be seen or have anything else influenced. You know, don't judge me by my, my real look. And, you know, while guns and roses is kind of the theme of the podcast is the theme. I talk about mental health a lot. And while it's, uh, you know, as a fan, I don't want to use the word frustrating because you want to hear from your 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 artists and and you know people who create something that means something to you. And um, I think a lot of fans got a lot out of when Buckethead did do an interview a few years ago with his therapist because it's again, it's not like he's going on Joe Rogan talking about whatever. These are insightful conversations that he has, and that's kind of what I get from you and your music, even when it's not. Uh, lyrics. It's just emotional. It's an emotional side of it. So it's, I think that's why it blends. Your non-lyric music is emotional with his non-lyric guitar. I, it's, just, it's kind of this perfect blend. And the fact that you guys found each other in the early 90s and all these years later are going to make this album together, I think it's just, uh, why didn't it happen sooner? That's kind of what I want to ask. <laughs> Actually, we talked about this um, a few days ago. We were talking... We, we, we just, you know, a lot of our conversations are not even about music. It's just about life and what we go through. And and I think, you know, um, it's so hard as artists to to kind of get fans to understand. I'm sorry, I should have uh, no worries. turned my emails off. I think um, it's so hard I do it all for... The time. <laughs> it's, it's hard to um, express to your audience actually... Um, how can I say this without sounding depressing? But, you know, I feel like artists are the loneliest people I've ever met. Mm. I think that, you know, so much of our work is done in isolation. And um, I think for artists like myself or Buckethead, we music is sort of our, our place where we go to, not just for therapy, but it is a, a place for personal transformation where you take your pain. You take all your trauma and you try to transform it into something that is beautiful and illuminating and can, and, and I think that's why it resonates with people on a deeper level because they feel that they feel this sort of raw honesty 
that's in there, this raw expression. And, you know, we all have different lives, but there are certain things that across cultures, religions, everything, we suffer in the same way as human beings. We feel joy in the same way as human beings. So I think when you tap into those uh, emotions, those raw emotions, something happens, you know, you unlock something in people. And I think that he has that power you know, it's just two notes. He'll send me, you know, he sends me ideas on the phone and I have about 20 amazing riffs that he's just sent me, just he recorded on his phone. And I joked and I said, that should be the B side of the vinyl. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's just like I said, your phone recordings are more soulful than a lot of guitar recordings I hear where they've been done in, in, you know, there's something in there that you you cannot explain and it's intangible and i just think that you know it's uh it is all tied into mental health i think you know we we are our our relationship with the world and people as artists is incredibly tenuous you know it's hard for us to um kind of put ourselves out there it's hard for me and i'm actually quite a friendly and open person but i struggle with it sometimes and i just don't see how how buckethead i don't i don't think he he could handle it honestly because he's so he's so sensitive he's so sensitive um but i am kind of in shock and even he is at how long he has been able to go without anybody seeing what he really looks like i mean it's it's phenomenal if you think about it I mean, nobody knows what the guy looks like, It like fans. It's just he can still go anywhere he wants. Nobody knows what he looks like. I mean, nobody has successfully done that. Yeah, I think, they're, you know, the pictures on the Internet are old, and I don't know if they're accurate. They say that's Brian Carroll, um, but he's never officially said that's him or what he looks like. It's interesting, especially when you have an artist like Sia, who that's part of her her image, her gimmick is that you don't see her face, but Sia, her face, but you, you can Google it. You know what she actually looks like. And yeah, I go to this. We go to the same gym. Oh, <laughs> so I know what she looks that's like. That's so funny. What are the odds? Talk about six degrees. It's so funny because I was training, you know, we were at the gym and, and her trainer is my friend. So we were just like a few times I was training with her and then. I was just casually talking to her and I think my friend picked up on the fact that I didn't realize who she was. And he was like, you do know who that is. Right. And I was like, who? It's like, that's Sia. And I'm like, that's Sia. <laughs> so that, so it's really funny that you went to that. Wow. Yeah. What are the odds? Uh, yeah. yeah well, you know what she looks like, but right. And bucket. The only thing I would say, you know, if you want to go around looking for somebody with really long fingers, like a weirdo, you know, you're never going <laughs> to yeah, I, I, I respect that. I really do. And it's I've said this before on the podcast to my listeners, but his the drummer, his frame, maybe I don't know if you know uh do you know Brain? Um Brian? Yes, yes. Not personally, but of course I know. He uh he's been on the show a, f- a few times and I've asked him cuz you just got to ask you, you know, have if, to ask. Yeah, if you say no, great. I just got you got to ask. And he said getting an interview with Buckethead is harder than Axel Rose. And that's <laughs> that's said it all right there. I'm like, okay. I, I, I asked. So that's why it's interesting to get um, insight uh, for the people that are close to him. But the, the one thing, it's going way back because I want to learn about you. And I'm interested that Buckethead is interested in you because I look at that's why I love GNR. It's there's an intelligence to the music and, and why I like whoever Axel has picked. You know, um, it's just interesting. It's more than just musicianship. Yes. So, something before I lose it, I wanted to ask how did you get into because we were talking about the the many genres or the styles i call it a resume your resume would have a lot of things on it you know how did you get into the non-vocals and, and vocalize like on coma and, and i guess how is that is that something that maybe it's not it's not as big as because you had to teach me it's not as big as here in uh maybe america with certain things uh but maybe surge grew up around that um, maybe Bucketheads, you still listening to experimental. So as, how did you come across that style? Because, again, all these years later, you have an English album, 2019. So why not vocals early on? So I, I, I just didn't want to lose asking you that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Or lyrics, I should as say. As far as I can remember, I loved music. You know, my, my mother listened to a lot of music at home. So it was, 
you know, my ear was all for me. Music was never wallpaper. It was never the background. You know, I just immediately if there was music, my my it became the point of my focus. And when I moved, so of course, I grew up a lot around, you know, global music, you know, between I mean, I wasn't really in Iran that much, but in India. Okay. And uh, when I moved to the U.S. at the age of 15, I immediately um, sort of naturally leaned towards I started I got into the sort of post-punk um a lot of post-punk, a lot of industrial music. Because you were in L.A., right? Because that's what I'm, I was I'm curious. In LA and that was really a time when that music was really thriving. You right. know, a lot of music that was coming out of Chicago and the U.K. And that was really, and at that time, you know, they were using a lot of, even like Kate Bush, or mm. you had a lot of artists at that time. And in, in the industrial music, a lot of eastern sort of samples and music that were being because there was a lot of a lot of the songs were in minor keys so they okay. were utilizing a lot of for lack of a better word they used to call it exotic sounds you know mm. at that time so i started hearing my own heritage kind of in this music and it didn't really quite fit and then i became very interested in general i became interested and to this day it's kind of where my interest lies i'm I, I always look for this juxtaposition of elements that you would think should not work together, but you find a way to make them work together. Like, it's just like you said, like who would think, you know, if you didn't know anything and you would say Buckethead and Azam Ali, mm. you, your brain would just kind of go, what, what are they going to do together? But this is exactly it. And I think even for him, it's the same way. It's where we connect is, you know, it's just this juxtaposition of things that shouldn't work. And uh, particularly, I got into post-punk and uh, a lot of the 90s, you know, like Massive Attack was a huge influence on me. Portishead, a lot of music that was coming out of the UK. And I love this idea of kind of really dirty sounds uh, mixed with ethereal and super melodic and emotional elements. And I, I just love that dissonance of the two. So I started experimenting with that. And then I felt like language just became this barrier. Hmm. So I, I, okay. I, and then there were a lot of bands also, again, from the UK that were experimenting with, you know, this kind of non, non lyrical based singing. Right. So I started doing that and it just opened a whole new avenue of expression for me emotionally as a singer, because I think often when you write lyrics, you sometimes have to sacrifice the melody to make the lyric work and mm. then vice versa. Sometimes, you know, any any singer will tell you that. And and it frustrated me that I would have to, I had a melody in mind, but it didn't fit with the lyrics. So I had to change the melody. So it allowed me to freely express melody. So I treated my voice really just as an instrument. It was mm. just an, an instrument and I'd make sounds and it just became... Uh, a, a conduit for emotion rather than a conduit for words. But then I'm also a poet. So then as the years progressed and I became more and more serious about writing poetry, um, I'm about to publish actually my first book of poetry. Oh, cool. So then as I started writing more and more, I felt like, you know what? I, I think I can make them both work somehow. So my English, I, I had done a few English songs here and there on my second solo album. I did a few English songs. And uh, then after that, I, I decided, you know, I think I'm ready to do a completely entire English album. So that's kind of where it progressed. I still do the non-vocal non thing. I still do it all. I still do it all. But I think with, with the project with Buckethead, we're most leaning towards lyrics. There are some areas where... Um, I, I, I may not use lyrics, but it's more of the vocalization. But for the most part, I think it's going to be lyric based. Okay, cool. Because I'm, I'm curious, would Buckethead say the same thing about why he's guitar driven, lyric driven rather than, you know, people would have said the juxtaposition of having Buckethead in Guns N' Roses. You know, you have this, this, uh, you know, just this. Uh, instrumental artist in with this classic rock band and it didn't, didn't make sense but then he's has these lyrics to work with you know i'm a fan of chinese democracy it's behind me you know the album that he was on so i'm just, would he say the same thing maybe he would be limited uh, by being in a band like that again 
I think, you know, there are certain artists that we are just not, we are, we are not meant to just have this one, this one home, you know, like okay. I have my band now, which is very successful. We tour, we have four albums out, we're working on a new album. But by the time I finish any album with this band, my world electronic band, I, I need to do something else. You know, it's just, it can't be all of who I am. It's, mm -hmm. it's an aspect of who I am. I mean, I called my, my album in 2019, the English album, I called it Phantoms because the concept behind it is exactly what we're talking about is that we, throughout our lifetimes, we have so many different personas that if you think back to sort of who you were growing up, it almost feels as if you lived many different lifetimes. You were different people, you change, you know, over time. And all these personas that you, you become, they, they live within you like phantoms. They become these ghosts that are part of your identity. And, and I think like for Buckethead and myself, we have so many identities within ourselves that we need to express each one. And, you know, this project is an expression of what we're doing right now and in in, in a persona that maybe not all my fans will relate to, maybe not all of his fans will relate to the album we make, but it's part of who we are and we need to express it. So I think he's, to answer your story in a short way, I, I don't see him as being a character that could ever just commit himself to one band and one form of expression because he's so versatile. I mean, like he, the, the amount of styles that he can play in and play well, like extremely well, is so versatile that it, it would actually, it would be, a shame if he just decided to do one style of playing yeah. you know, with one band. I get that. That totally makes sense. I, I like that answer. So, you know, cause yeah, not everybody's going to have a home base. So it kind of a, leads into a second question, like Serge, your buddy Serge, his home base is yes. in the system of a down, <laughs> but he does other things, other projects. Um, any chance of maybe him appearing on this new album or reunion of you, Bucket and Search, or any other guest appearances? Or is that I, you know everything is kind of open? It's so weird when I made the announcement. I mean, Serge commented on Instagram. I you saw know, that. So happy. He's in Armenia now, and um, we we actually he has a very big show in March of twenty three, and I am a guest singer in that show. Well, I'm one of four singers who will be there. Um, so we're, we're very, very close friends. Honestly, I haven't asked him, but I do plan on asking him, but it really has to be the right song. Cause I had several, I'm not going to drop any names, but I had several famous musician friends of mine write to me mm -hmm. personally uh, to say that they are such huge fans of Buckethead and they would love to be on the album. And I was just shocked. I, I didn't realize <laughs> that, honestly, I feel embarrassed that I didn't realize hmm. how famous he has become because I'm just in a different world, you know, and I'm just kind of doing my thing and I don't pay attention to what's going on out there much. And and I just suddenly I feel like I'm having to wrap my head around this this whole thing. You know, even when we finished our first song, I didn't realize actually what what I was dealing with. And then I, now I have this pressure of oh my God, this is going to be like bigger than I think it's going to be. And, and, you know, it's, it's a little bit, makes me a little bit nervous, mm. but you know, I'm just trying to focus on the music and not think about that. So I don't know, it, you know, I would love to have a few guest artists. I think it would be really nice, but it just has to be, it's these kind of things. They're so organic, you know, yeah. you cannot force I mean, it. One of the reasons by Buckethead and I work so well together is we kind of surrender to the music. We don't, nothing is conceptual for us. So we don't write a song thinking, oh, maybe so-and-so would be good for it. And, or we don't even write a song thinking what we know it's, what it's going to be. We kind of have this like very organic approach that, you know what, the song will let us know what it wants to be. So you just start making it and then it, it kind of creates itself. So if there is space for certain people to come and you hear them on it, I mean, I would love that. I always love collaborating with other artists. So we'll see. Well, regardless, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think every, <laughs> most you. people are looking forward to it. 
and, and don't be embarrassed. I mean, I'm the one who's embarrassed, and I'm glad you were humble about it. I'm like, Azam Ali, I got to learn about this person. You're you're famous in your own right. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, you're it's it's just a different world. You know, I had to it teach, is a different world. I had yes. to teach my wife about Buckethead. She's a Dave Matthews fan. What does she know about Buckethead? So yes. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, let's let's go see this guy named Buckethead. Who? And, and now she's a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Everybody, everybody. I mean, you can't not be a fan of hits. You know, it's, I mean, if you love guitar, it's kind of a, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you just have to sit back and say, okay, this is, this guy is in, in just a completely different realm, you know. And it takes me back to, I was just, I, I'm glad I've learned as an interviewer just when to shut up and let the person tell the story because I'm thinking, you know, like when you met Buckethead, you first hit it off. And in my mind, I'm like, is he in his bucket? Are you like, how, like, I, how did you hit it off? Like when you, wouldn't you be a little standoffish at first? Or, and when you described like, he's your friend first, and then you saw the persona. And I think you still have that first impression of him, this guy that you met, who's really humble and sweet and nice. And is still after all these years, and I'm sure a lot of your friends say the same thing about you who know you since uh forever who don't when people come up to you for autographs not realizing oh wow azamali this is so it's 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 cool so i feel like we have two humble artists working together to make something pretty great oh uh, well we're just we just want to make really great art and with i mean both of us we feel so grateful that so many people have shown interest in what we're creating together and um, I mean, I'm so excited for people to hear the music. It's I, I just feel like we've all been through so much. You know, something Buckethead and I talk about a lot. I think everybody has suffered so much in this pandemic. We've mm. all lost something, either loved ones or we've had health issues, you know, or we've, I mean, we have all been through something. Yeah. And, I, and I just feel like we all need this, need some kind of balm for our souls, you know, to, to kind of, you know, and that's kind of the way I feel about the music we're making. It's like soul balm, you know, soul balm. I like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like for both of us, it's, 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 I, I, I tell him, I'm like, you know, this music should first be healing for us. Like we should feel like, Oh my goodness, this is, I'm so happy to be doing this and it's healing me doing this. And once you have that, you can project it out there. And I think a lot of, I hope that that's going to be the effect it has on people that they can form a very deep bond with it. Not quite soul glow. I don't know if you remember, do you remember that of coming to America? Soul bomb. All right. Sorry. That's just was stuck in my head. Forgive me. Uh, any, um, cause I know some things are secret. Anything you can tell us about when we can expect a single or the album, uh, do you have? Well, I'm planning. I mean, it would be nice to um, definitely by end of October. Oh, cool. uh, I'm oh, going wow. to announce the official release of the single, oh. and we're still trying to decide actually how we want to make the album in terms of uh, like, are we? We still even don't know. Is it going to be just? Um, are we going to print CDs? Are we going to make vinyl? Are we going to? I still we haven't figured out. You know, I feel like we're both kind of avoiding the pragmatic and practical side of making an album because okay. we just want to focus on the music. So a lot of it is still kind of um, ambiguous at this point. I think it will become more clear as we go along, but definitely by end of October. And now I'm personally connected with you. So I will um, I will send you the song ahead of time so you can... Um, prepare its debut and everything so by end of october i will announce the official single and and then by then make the official announcement about the album and all that cool looking forward to halloween actually i almost wrote to you to ask you if you wanted to wait but i think you know it's nice to talk about it now and then you know at some point we can talk about it again when the album I'll, i'll be very curious you know you coming from your perspective and your background and just getting to know me i'd be curious to know 
what you think about the music, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I appreciate you, uh, you know, wanting to, to share that. And, and any chance of, have you talked about touring or is, again, it's all focused on yes, music? Yes, actually, we just, a lot of people wrote and asked that, you know, will you perform it? I just brought it up briefly to him. I just relay messages to him. I'm like, people are asking if we, he was like, that would be amazing. So it's kind of all on that level now. You know, we are, it's kind of no... I think everything will be become clear when the album is finished, but I, I would love to tour it. I think it would be so intimate and beautiful. It would be so beautiful to, to yeah. tour this music. Well, I so hope you do. So. I hope so. I mean, I love, I mean, he's such a beautiful person to be around that, you know, I, I would just enjoy the experience of, of performing with him. So um, I welcome all of it. Awesome. I, and I had an idea before I, I, let, I let you go because I know I, he's not doing interviews, he's not going to push that. But maybe this is up his alley of, of weirdness because I'm like that too. Texas Chainsaw Massacre that he did the soundtrack of. I'm a weirdo like that. What if like he's just in the room like you are right now, just standing in the back like Michael Myers, just standing there for like <laughs> 10 minutes and doesn't say anything? Oh my god, that would be so brilliant! Just like a movie <laughs> puppet does nothing. He can do whatever he does. Nunchucks in the back says nothing. Just but putting it out there. Putting it's it out so there. funny. I mean, right now I'm just trying to sort of <laughs> figure out how are we going to even make artwork for this album. <laughs> I'm like, how are how are we going to do this? I had this really funny idea. I I had this idea because he kept he kept wanting me it to be my picture. I'm like, but it's our album. I don't mm. want it to just be me. Nope. You know, there has to be something of you in it. So I had this funny idea of just kind of okay. I take my picture or whatever it is, the the concept, whatever it is, and then you take. I told him just take whatever picture you're comfortable with of yourself. It can be as bizarre as possible. And then I'm just going to tear it like a newspaper, very rough. And then I'm just going to stick it on the artwork of my, my, whatever my image is. And that's going to be the artwork, you know, <laughs> like this, like roughly cut out, uh, obscure image of Buckethead on this like pristinely, uh, you know, done artwork. I think it would be. That, talk about juxtaposition, you know. How? I mean, I don't want him to do anything that is out of persona for him. And, you know, he can't. I mean, he's just not that kind of, he's not that kind of artist who would who would do anything that he doesn't feel comfortable sure. with. Sure, sure. So I don't know. Right now, the challenge is how, even what kind of artwork. I mean, the, the music video of, of my very good friend, uh, who's a phenomenal photographer, and he directed one of my music videos... He is uh, doing the music video, and all I can say is it's going to be incredible. The idea behind it is so amazing. I can't wait for people to see it. I'll just say because I, it's, I know your your alarm's going off. I don't know if I'm keeping you from uh, saving uh, you no, know, a burning I'm so building. Sorry, I'm just being. I'm I'm so upset. It's okay, but I. It's I me. I'm so sorry. Look, oh, look at that. Okay, that's fine. Those, all those are to buckethead no, texts. It's so funny. I'm so sorry. I, I thought I had turned that off, and it kept going off. No, it, off. It, no, it's not an alarm. It's buckethead texts. You know, that's that's. I could I could have said that as a joke, and it's a reality. <laughs> but the, I love this idea of him standing behind me. That would be so creepy. I know. That would be so creepy. Please do it. That would get so many views for that. Uh, but also <laughs> an idea, not that you should ever cover up your beautiful face but what if you wore a buckethead mask on the cover if he doesn't want to do it oh my god that would be so incredible do you do your own kind of bucket i can't even think of that do i have to credit you if i use that idea no i'm just that would be amazing if i used if i actually looked like buckethead just uh when you go on tour just let me and my wife uh you know, have a you know come in for free, or you know, I don't drink. I was gonna say have a drink on, but I don't. I don't drink, and yeah, shit. So where I, do you I live? Actually, where do you live? I'm in uh, Woodside, Queens. I'm in Queens, New York. Oh, okay, great, great. Yeah. So it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that will come your way. Um, no, yeah. uh, Buckethead was at uh, Sony Hall, um, which is like 20 yeah. minutes from my apartment. Um, so. Yeah, he's toured BB King's uh, Blues Club before he was shut down. I got to see him at. So when Buckethead does tour. He comes to New York City. That's the beauty about New York City, and I'm very spoiled. Yeah, I have so many friends there. I love it there anyway. I always, I tried, we performed there with my band of four or five months ago, five, four months ago, five months ago. So I come to New York a lot. So hopefully we'll come with this project and awesome. 
and we can be there uh, and maybe you'll even get to meet him. Uh, I don't even know if he meets people, honestly. I know he comes and leaves venues fully masked and covered. Well, he's always fully masked. The reason why nobody has sees what he looks like. I made this joke to, I was fortunate to have Booty Collins on the show once. And I think this was at the beginning of the pandemic. And I said, Buckethead's been social distancing for years. He's been wearing a mask for years. <laughs> I love that. He's fine. So, yeah, if I had the honor of, of meeting him, because I'm 5'6", looking up at Buckethead, I would love that. Um, but still... Yeah, if you want it, it's it's all documented here. What if you use that as an uh, an album cover, so that we have? <laughs> I don't. I, no, I, that's funny. I I'm, I give credit where it's due. If we do anything, I think it would be fun just to take photographs like that. Anyway, you know, even if sure. it doesn't end up on sure. the album cover, I think. And it, and it, w- it would be fun to do it. And I promise if I do it, I'll send it to you. Thank you. Well, the most important thing is the time you've given to me uh, today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to thank me. It's an honor for me to talk about art and music and, and, you know, this project with Buckethead. And I really wish, as I said at the beginning, I wish he did interviews because I think people would love him more than they already do. It's just really, I cannot stress enough what a sincere and beautiful human being he is, you know, and he has remained unchanged throughout all of it. Text him back right now, if you don't mind, just saying, you know, <laughs> Brando says, thank you for allowing me to, to talk, to share. And does, does he, oh, do you, uh, I'll tell him. I will definitely okay. tell him. Okay, fair enough. Well, and uh, we'll probably talk again at some point. So as soon as I have anything that I can send out, you will be one of the first to receive it before it is officially released. So since you were the first to, to want to talk about this project, I'll give you the first uh, sneak peek at everything. Thank you. Sometimes it, it pays to be on social media all the time. And the <laughs> algorithms, sometimes they, they, they're trying to sell you things. You looked up, you know, diapers and everything. All of a sudden you're looking at diapers uh, all through your new, your Facebook feed. And I just happen to look at GNR stuff up a lot. Buckethead, <laughs> and I happen. So I'm, I'm glad I was, I was surprised when you responded. I'm like, Oh, I bet everyone's trying to talk to her and, you know, and realizing once again, the, the, your, your big resume that you have. So the fact that you responded to me and, and, and spent some time with me today means a lot. Oh, you're so sweet. I took a screenshot of us. Let oh. me take a screenshot. I can't smile. Because <laughs> I keep trying to hide my, uh, long story short, in uh, January, I got into a car accident, knocking out one of my teeth. And I'm in the process of getting an implant, which takes forever. Uh, so it's next January. So I wish I had a bucket head so I can so I like, hide behind. So I'm getting used to like what bucket head does and just not showing my face all the time because they look like a hockey Yeah, but you shouldn't have even said that to me. I didn't know. Oh, I see it. I look like a hockey player. Oh, there we go. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's all part of your story. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm glad I'm here yeah. to tell it, put it that way. But uh, I told you that in this pandemic, we've all been through something. Yes. You know, either, either, everyone I know, either divorce, health issues, lost loved ones. It's just we all got hit somehow. Mm. I'm glad you survived your accident. Thank you. And the best one, but about you, because I don't want to even think about it. Uh, the best way to keep in touch with you is AzamAli.com and you're on Facebook and Instagram. And Yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and um, I'm less active on Instagram, but I'm trying to be now okay. uh, more active. Uh, so Azam Ali on Facebook, Instagram and my website and Buckethead does not have any official social media. There is an incredible fan page for him on Facebook. Yeah. With 300K. Whoever maintains that fa- that page, kudos to them because they do it so respectfully. Um, so uh, I think they were the ones who released the news and that's how it went viral. So that, that could also be a good venue for people to like, if they're interested to get updates on our collaboration it will either be on my social media or on on his fan page on Facebook. Yeah, that. It, it, Buckethead also actually the only thing he does have is a website, so I'm sure he will be posting updates there. Okay. Yeah, I know they because you have a blue check and so does that Buckethead, but that's not the real Buckethead. But yeah, that's very not easy to get. I'm shocked that actually, I I thought it was official. I didn't even know because when it got posted, I asked him. I said. I said, oh, I saw that you posted. His, uh, I sent him the link. I said, look at this. It's going viral. 
And he said, I can't log in because I don't have a Facebook account. I said, what? You don't like it's 2022. How many people do not have a face? It's so admirable. I cannot tell you how much I admire that about him. I know he said, I don't have a Facebook account, so I can't even see what you posted. And I said, well, then it's a fan. Do you know that there's this huge fan page? And he said, yeah, I've heard about it. but I've never gone there. I don't go to see stuff like that. You know, wow. Um, it, it affects him too much. So. So I, I, I was like, well, there's like 300,000 followers there. And and I don't know how they got that blue check mark. It's not easy to get. No, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. I don't have one. But, that's yeah, okay. but, but they maintain it so respectfully. You know, sometimes oh, yeah. families are just like, you know, they can be a mess. And whoever is curating that page, it does an amazing job. Yeah, I, it's a great follow because whatever bucket it puts out a new song or what that's how i found out about the praxis tour so yeah they, they treat it like it's buckethead but it, it's exactly. not it's not but yeah because you know how sometimes fan pages they'll just put on other stuff that is totally unrelated to the artist whose fan page it is and i like that they don't do that there it really is representative of who he is as yeah. an artist yeah it's not like you can tell it's not on there trying to make money it's just yeah. on there to represent Buckethead News yeah. kind of thing, which it's is... Just, they love him. They love him. And his fans are so, I mean, they're so amazing. You know, his fans are really wonderful people. Yes, uh, I will say, though, because I, I heard at the Praxis show that, because uh, I was way in the back, that a lot of fans were trying to rush the stage to try to give him toys. So just don't do that when they go on tour with a Zam. Just don't throw toys at a Zam to try to get the bucket at. You know, control yourself. No, I don't need any more toys. Okay. <laughs> I raised my son is fifteen now. Oh. I still have an arsenal of all his toys, so I don't need any more toys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like and you can see, I have a few behind me as well. Uh, well, thank you so much. But, you know, that's so significant of his, there's a part of his personality that is so innocent and childlike. I could totally see why he would want to give toys away, you know. I, that's what I'm telling you. Like, oh, who is this guy Buckethead giving out toys on stage with Axl Rose with cornrows? Like, what is this? You know, and I'm talking about it. it 20 years later. It's uh, yeah, and with I you. I love it. I love it. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to talk to you uh, again, Azam, and thank you. Thank you so much for your time and interest in our work, and I can't wait to share it with you. You got it. You take care. Bye. How cool is she? Awesome. Just real awesome to to learn about the, the styles of music and how she got involved with Surge and, of course, Buckethead. And Buckethead's kind of similar with, with Axel. You know, there's a persona that people think – they know and then you hear people that that speak to that really know them and it just seems to be this kindness there and i'm sure that's what axel and buckethead one of the reasons why they got along so well i don't know how it ended um but man do i really hope she she runs that idea both ideas by buckethead what did that be aren't they both genius just have buckethead standing in the background like a psychopath why wouldn't he like that and then say nothing, that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> and the cover, if he doesn't want to do it, just have her bucket headed out. I have, I have the ideas. So I just want to wrap up this episode. Speaking of ideas, or maybe ideas I have, or ideas Guns N' Roses has, uh, I'm wearing, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm wearing my User Illusion hat that I got off Amazon. Uh, don't buy many things off the official website. I like, I usually like what fans make instead. Uh, and that, maybe that parlays into the Use Your Illusion box set that just came out. Uh, not just came out. It's it's announced it is coming out. Uh, November 11th, I want to say that it came out. Or it's going to come out. The first single did. You can listen to You Could Be Mine from uh, 1991. I should have pulled this up beforehand. But that is officially out now. It's interesting. All those people, like, oh, I, well, I had one listener that said I was celebrating the 35th, 31st anniversary of User Illusion more than the band was. It's kind of true, but that's kind of par for the course for, for Guns N' Roses not to make crazy announcements like that until it's un, completely necessary. So there were rumors that you would see um, if you were logged into a VPN in other countries, you could see certain songs being posted or you can log in to see a track list and that's how it started and then all of a sudden news uh, websites are posting it like Loudwire, Ultimate Classic Rock and I think it was just just the other day that Guns N' Roses posted something themselves about this box set 
And you can go online. You can see the track list. Uh, there is nothing, uh, nothing new. There are uh, songs on there, live songs from you know 91, 92 shows, Paris. Uh, you know, featuring what was it, uh, Mick Jagger, I believe. Uh, not Joe Mick. I think it's gonna be Aerosmith. Uh, not the Rolling Stones that that are going to be featured. So I mean, there's there's cool stuff on there. One of the the things I'm really looking forward to most hearing is an orchestral upgrade to November Rain. It's the original recording, but with a 2002 um, remaster with an actual full like 50 piece orchestra. I'm I'm, I'm intrigued to hear that. Uh, even listening to the the single that is out now, the You Could Be Mine live version it is great uh, if anything it reminds me of um live in new york at the ritz there we go i said i'm uh, live at the ritz yeah yep yeah. um amazing and that link went live at midnight and it's so cool it's kind of like new year's where you saw every person in each country on my t- on my timeline oh it's now here in the uk oh it's finally here in the east coast you know it's yeah, very 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 cool um, and it, just remind, it makes me think of just like, wow, I really missed out on not being born earlier than I was just way too young in, in, in 1991, being born in 83. That, 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 that's an Axl Rose that I just have never seen. Just to hear that voice, the guttural voice on You Can Be Mine, and having seen the band a handful of times the last few years, it's just, wow, that was a different band. I know it's not. It's technical. I, you know, that's a whole conversation we've been having for you know three hundred uh, some odd episodes of versions of the band. But wow, I did not see that band, and that's just the audio. So I'm looking for this Blu-ray stuff, uh, but nothing new. No outtakes. No studio. No uh, rehearsal. Nothing like that. So I think there, there are fans that are excited. I think it was like the most stuff. There are fans that are excited. There are fans that are disappointed. The the pricing points aren't as expensive as the Appetite for Destruction box, which is interesting because the two albums are less than one. However, it's not as it doesn't seem to be as involved um, where it's coming with this box with drawers and things with what the Appetite for Destruction box set had. It doesn't seem to be that involved. So maybe that's where the price comes in. So I think that the highest is like $500. Still too expensive for me. I think that's, I want to give that perspective. If I had the means, same thing with the uh, AFD box set. If I had the means, I would buy them. Yeah, they're, they're cool for the collector. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. Guns N' Roses doesn't have a lot of stuff out there. I want as much stuff as I can get, even if it is live tracks from... Again, I think if you, I, have a, I think maybe what softened it for me is because I have a lot of you gunners that I know love listening to bootlegs and have for years. And of course, the bootlegs are not going to be the quality as what GNR is officially releasing. But it's again live tracks. I love Live Era, but I'll I'll download it to my Spotify and listen to it. And I think that's it. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend any money. I think that's the bottom line. But if I had the means. I saw another interesting comment today that my uh, some uh, she said like her apartment is small, so she doesn't want to buy anything extra. Same thing. That's also part of it too, where some of these things take up space. If I had that, 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 is, that does play a, uh, a part. You know, not that doesn't apply to everybody. So it's just interesting. I don't know. I think with all the hype and all the wonder about this box set, it just didn't seem to be what it could have been. I will give you this. I did this very scientific poll, which is just I, I polled some people on Twitter. So this is like about like 400 votes. Uh, so I put four options. Excited, can't wait, cool, but can wait, meh, undecided, or no thanks. So excited, can't wait was the winner with 32.3%. But right behind that, cool, but can wait with 31.8. Uh, no thanks. 15.3% of people said it. And then 20%, of course, uh, undecided. So kind of a mixed bag, but most people excited. And I kind of asked the same thing. Uh, I did ask the same thing on, on Facebook. And a lot more people said no thanks. But there were people that came in and they were excited about it. So it is a mixed bag, mixed reaction. 
I think I'll probably do an episode dedicated to the box set once it comes out, once we know what's everything that's on there. So this is kind of just a preliminary acknowledging, yeah, if you're not following on social media, because I tell you every single podcast, the conversation continues in between the broadcasts on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I acknowledge it had just been announced. There were rumors. So, yeah, I'm acknowledging, yeah, it's on the po- If you don't know yet, you, you can pre-order it right now. The User Illusion box set, it is on GNR social media finally. So you can look there if anything else. And it looks cool. Well, I will say, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to be a dick here. Uh, the the artwork, which is a combination of the artwork of one and two, so it's the blue and the red. But the way it's designed, it's just has blue lines over the red. So I can't help but think of my favorite movie each time, which is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I all I see is a circus tent. I'm sorry. Uh, I think User Illusion 1 and 2 are, have some of like, the most beautiful co- covers ever. I have User Illusion 1 tattooed on my back, not to mention the hat. But just that style, man, with the lines going down. Just, I don't know, they, they look like circus tent lines. But that's just me. That's just my opinion. Why does that matter? Anyway, so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Thank you again to Azam Ali. So cool. Let's, let's, oh man, wouldn't that be fucking amazing? Again, let's push that into existence. Buckethead, just, I'll get him on the podcast, just not talking. I <laughs> uh, love it. So that does it with this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.